circumcision mitzvah is one positive mitzvah to circumcise the males on the eighth day of life. They will explain this mitzvah in the following chapters. The circumcision mitzvah is a positive commandment upon which a person is liable for a karis excision if he does not do the mitzvah. Uh, that means the idea of dying young and not having a portion in the world to come. Shinam the Pasik says, the male who is uncircumcised, who would not circumcise the flesh of his foreskin, that soul will be cut off from its people. The mitzvah, the commandment is on the father to circumcise his son, the biological father. Is the one who has the obligation to circumcise the, 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 the child, or the master, the owner, to circumcise his slaves. And as we'll see, there's a mitzvah to circumcise slaves as well. You need bias because regardless of whether this child was born into the household, so like a, woman, a maidservant that you own gave birth to a boy, or you purchased a male slave, in either case, there's a mitzvah to circumcise them. And if a father transgressed or the, or the master transgressed and did not do the circumcision, the father or the master has nullified a positive mitzvah. He, however, is not chay of karis. Karis is only relevant to the person who is uncircumcised himself. We'll see in what case he's chay of karis. However, being neglected by the father or the slave does not mean he's not going to circumcise the court, the Jewish community, the court has an obligation to circumcise that child or that slave in its proper time. Not to allow an uncircumcised person to be to, uh, to, to leave a uns- person uncircumcised among the Jewish people nor among the slaves. To circumcise a person's child, to do that, that must be done with his acquiescence. However, if the person, unless the person transgressed and and uh, did not circumcise him, Ben comes in and circumcises him, uh, the child against the father's will or the slave against the master's will. Uh, now, at what point does that happen? Does it happen if if the eighth day passes and the father did not do Mila? Does it does he have to wait until the father declares his un- unwillingness to circumcise a child ever? It's not exactly clear. Now, if the Bezin did not, was not aware and did not circumcise him, or for example, the Bezin did not have the power, when the child becomes an adult, he has an obligation to give himself his own bris milo, or to have himself, uh, to, to arrange a bris milo for himself. Every day that passes, once he becomes an adult, he does not circumcise himself. It's to say he's nullifying a positive mitzvah. He's not chayav karis. Unless he dies deliberately, having chosen not to have a bris milah. In that case, his neshama is chayav karis. Whether the slave is born already a born property of a Jew or a slave is purchased from Gentiles whatever, regardless of age the master has an obligation to circumcise them the difference is if he's born already the property of the Jew into the house home born he is circumcised at the eighth day at the eighth day of age and the one who's purchased is purchased on the day 
excuse me, when a purchased slave is circumcised in the day he's purchased. Even if he's purchased on the, on the day he's born, he's, he's circumcised that day. So if he's purchased after he's already eight days old, of course the Brismila happens on that day. He's past the eighth day. But even if he's purchased when he's younger than eight days old, he is, the Brismila happens on that day. There are unique situations where a purchased slave is only circumcised on the eighth day. There's a situation where he's born, in, born into the household of the Jew, but yet the bris milah happens on the day he's born, not the day of, not, not the eighth day. Ketzad, for example, he buys a maidservant, and he buys the uh, fetus as well. The she gives birth. This child is circumcised on the eighth day. Even though he purchased the fetus separately, so for example, let's say this this maidservant was owned by someone and she became pregnant and the master sold the rights to the fetus to somebody else. So now the maidservant belongs to one person, her fetus belongs to someone else. Now the person, someone else comes along and he, tell, and, he, and he purchases the fetus from the person who has the rights to the fetus. And then he purchases the maidservant from the person who owns the maidservant or in the reverse order, whichever way the purchase happens. But ultimately he buys both. So the fact is he purchased the fetus separately. Since when the fetus is born, he's born to the maidservant that belongs to the same person who owns the fetus. The baby, and the fetus himself is is his own independent purchase. The fact is, he purchased the mother before the child was born. Therefore, he is circumcised in the eighth day. If he buys a maidservant, he buys the rights to her fetus, but he doesn't buy the maidservant herself. He just buys her insofar as any children she gives birth to, he has the rights to. It's like purchasing a, purchasing a tree. Uh, uh, in the sense that you purchase the rights to its fruits. You don't actually purchase the tree itself. You can't cut it down or something. But you purchase the tree for its fruits. So here you're purchasing the maidservants for the children she produces. Or he purchases a maidservant on a condition he's not going to have her, uh, he's not going to require her. This condition is probably made with the owner of the maidservant because she herself can't make a condition like that. But the condition is made that she's not going to have to to to, to immerse herself, the shame of the for sake of slavery. In other words, normally a servant purchased a goy, a non-Jew, has to be immersed in the mikvah, and like a quasi-conversion happens where he's sort of a a, a partial Jew. Slaves are quasi-Jews; they have to keep certain mitzvahs, not all the mitzvahs. Um, uh, so, but the condition here was made that she does not have to go through that process. She can remain a non-Jew even as a slave. So, even though <clears throat> the uh, she's a in either of these cases, either you purchased the rights to the fetus that she produces, or you purchased the, the slave on condition that she does not have to become a quasi-Jew. Even though the baby is born in his domain, it belongs to him when it's born. The circumcision happens the day he's born, rather than the eighth day. Because this born baby, it's as if you purchased him that day, uh, because the mother is not considered a Jewish maidservant, to the point that we say that the child is sort of being born into the Jewish, uh, home born as a Jew, sort of, into, into a Jewish home, or, or a Jewish birth. Um, if the mother um, immerses herself to be a, a Jewish maidservant after giving birth, 
In that case, the baby is circumcised on the eighth day if uh, he was not circumcised yet, which is unique because the baby was already born in this state. But if before the bris happens, she changes her mind and she is she immerses the mikvah to begin the conversion process of becoming a quasi-Jew as a Jewish slave or maidservant, then the child Bishmila is delayed to the eighth day, which is unique halacha. The Ravid objects to the Ramah ruling. Okay. So the halacha vav expounds on halacha hey, an idea of purchasing a slave and allowing it to not begin the process of becoming a quasi-Jew. Lakach evet godlam ne'akam, a person buys an adult slave from a guy. And the slave does not want to be circumcised. Then we can sort of uh, negotiate with him for 12 months. To maintain the slave as uncircumcised, you have to sell him back to a non-Jew. If the condition was made regarding him in the, in the beginning, before being purchased, while he still was owned by a non-Jew, that he's not going to circumcise him. You're allowed to keep him. Again, the condition was made with the master. You may keep him as a non-Jew, as an uncircumcised slave. Uh, if he's going to be a non-Jew as a slave, a complete non-Jew, he has to at least accept the seven mitzvahs that all human beings must keep. He's like, like a non-Jew who's allowed to live in Eretz Yisrael uh, because he accepts the seven mitzvahs. If he does not accept upon himself the seven mitzvahs, he has not accepted the the, the 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 belief in Hashem or uh, the the the, uh, the are not to worship idols, not to curse Hashem, not to kill, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to eat flesh from a live animal before it's killed, and establishing a justice system. If he does not accept that, he immediately has to be killed. The idea of a gertayshav accepting a non-Jew who formally accepts these seven mitzvahs and therefore can live in Israel can only be done. When the Yevil, the Jubilee year, is kept. And for that, you have to have all the Jews, or at least Jews from every single tribe, living in Israel. That ended when the two and a half tribes of Uvigod and Hef Menashe were exiled by Asher. See Malachim Beis, Perek Tes Zion. Halacha Zion. Gerish Nichas Lakal Yisrael, and when a non Jew converts and becomes part of the Jewish people, Chaim Militchili must first undergo circumcision. If he had a circumcision already, when he was a non-Jew, then the day he converts, a drop of blood may be extra- must be extracted from him uh, on the day that he converts. A child who's born circumcised, he's born without a foreskin, without a foreskin. It's like a birth defect. He's missing a foreskin. On the eighth day, you extract a drop of blood. Uh, from his male organ on the eighth day. Now, according to the Rambam, apparently, that when it comes to a uh, non-Jew who is already circumcised, who converts, it's part of the mitzvah of Mila, even though you know for sure. Uh, I mean, the mitzvah of Mila is, it comprises, in this case, of just this, uh, extracting a drop of blood. In the case of a child, that apparently the Rambam holds, based on the Gemara, that um, we're assuming there is a foreskin, and it's very thin. So therefore... You can't cut the whole foreskin off because you don't can't. It's too thin to see. Therefore, it'll danger the child. Apparently, presumably, what you can do is extract a drop of blood. We'll see why it's relevant that that's the Rambam's understanding later. Andreganus, a person who has both features of male and female. He has both features of male and female. You must do circumcision on the eighth day. A child born through a C-section. 
a Sasimian section, the Mishiesh Lai Shte Arlais, or a person who has two foreskins. Mala is Sashne Mishmi, they all must all these cases, the circumcision must be done on the eighth day. Lachas, a Malanodim Mila must be done during the during the daytime, not during the nighttime. After sunrise, whether the bris meal is happening on the eighth day, as it should, which is the proper time, if it's happening a later day, it must be done during the daytime, such as the ninth day and forward, onward, it always must happen during the daytime. It says, on the eighth day, day, not night. If the bris meal happened after dawn, but before sunrise, it's kosher. The whole entire day is kosher for Bismillah. Nonetheless, ideally should be done earlier in the day. Because someone who's eager to do the right thing does the mitzvah as early as possible. Test. Mila done its proper time on the eighth day. This place is the Shabbos. So speak. Therefore, even though causing a wound on Shabbos and extracting blood is a violation of the Shabbos, if a baby is born on Shabbos, the eighth day is the next Shabbos, the Bishmila is on Shabbos. Visually, if it's not going to happen at the proper time for whatever reason, any day it does not displace a Shabbos. Whether the Bishmila is happening on its proper day or not, it displaces the prohibition of Taras. There's a prohibition, Taras is leprous, it's a kind of biblical leprosy that appears on the skin. And it's forbidden to cut it off the skin. The person has to wait till it goes away by itself. Kate, for example, if there was a uh, teras affliction on the foreskin, you cut it off with the foreskin. So, say even though cutting off the foreskin, the uh, teras is a negative commandment. Love ya, say there's a general principle that the positive commandment displaces a negative one. Therefore, there's a positive commandment of Bismillah. That displaces and pushes aside the negative commandment of not to cut off the foreskin, not to, not, not to cut away the tzeras, excuse me. Presumably the same thing would apply about a meal on its proper time regarding a slave that's born on the eighth, that's being circumcised on the eighth day. Um, or in the case where we said that uh, it's, it's, uh, it's circumcised on the day, that it's, if, it's, if it's circumcised on the day it's born, like for example, if you purchase the rights to the um, the fetus, or in the case where the uh, where the mother was uh, going to maintain her non-Jewish identity, um, in all these cases, presumably if it was on Shabbos the baby was born, um, you would do it on Shab. You you would um, you would do the bris on Shabbos as well, even though it's not the eighth day; it's the day he's born, but it's still that still the proper time. Just like circumcising children, this place is Shabbos. The same thing applies to slaves. Who are uh, circumcised in the eighth day, uh, pushes away the Shabbos. If the eighth day falls on Shabbos, the exception being a case where he's born into the house. That the mother did not want to convert, even though he's his in his case. Okay, so I was wrong. Even though he is circumcised on the eighth day, that does not displace Shabbos. So I was wrong on two accounts. In that case, we, when uh, the the child is, is the person purchases rights to the child, um, or the shivcha, the maidservant is going to maintain an Jewish identity. Both those cases, uh, the bris milah happens on the day he's born. Right. That that no, that was correct. Both that, that on the on the day he's born. So then, yeah, then you would you would taka do the bris milah 
on, on, on Shabbos. Okay, so over here that I'm discussing is is, is before doing the bris mila, he's born let's say on a, on a, on a, um, he's born let's say uh, uh, on Shabbos, and you're gonna do the bris mila that Shabbos because that's the day he's born. But then the mother before you do the bris mila, the mother tables for the sake of. Gerus. So then, now the the Allah according to the Rambam, the the Brismil on the eighth day. The eighth day is next Shabbos. In that case, we don't do it on Shabbos. You wait till next Sunday. child who's born uh, circumcised. or a child who's born uh, in the eighth month of pregnancy. before he's 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 finished being formed. Uh, and you can tell he's born premature, and therefore, in times of the Rambam, there was no way to save him. It's uh, He's like a, basically like a stillborn. He's not going to live. It's day for a child born from a C-section. is a child who has both sexes. Mishayish a child who has two foreskins. Shabbos, all these cases, they do. Bris Mila does not push away the Shabbos. The Shabbos, the Bris Mila is. Done on Sunday, which is the ninth day of the birth. So all these cases, if the child is born on Shabbos, the bris meal is done on the ninth day rather than the eighth day. Someone who's born between sunset and nightfall. So we're not sure if it's the day that's ending now or it's the night which is beginning. You count from the night time. And he's counted, and he does a bris on the ninth day, or what might be the ninth day, which might be the eighth day. So, for example, if the baby is born Sunday night between sunset and nightfall, so you're not sure if it's still Sunday halachically or if it's already Monday, because the Jewish and Jewish days begin with the nightfall the next day. So, is the bris should be done on Sunday or Monday? Do the bris on Monday. If he's born Friday evening between sunset and nightfall, so you're not sure if the eighth day is Friday or Shabbos, then you can't do the Bishmil on Friday because you're not supposed to do it early. But any day of Shabbos, you can't do it on Shabbos either because maybe the proper day is Friday and you only displace the Shabbos if it's really the eighth day. This might be the ninth day if the baby is considered born on Friday. Born on Friday. Therefore, any day of Shabbos, the Bishmil that happens on Sunday, you can't uh, push away the Shabbos out of doubt. It must be an absolute certainty. Someone who is born in the eighth month, if the child feels it looks fully formed in its hair and its nails, it, the child is not considered a premature baby, rather, it's considered a full child. And he's, he's considered a child whose pregnancy was really seven month pregnancy. But the child just delayed, therefore, it's, he's considered a mother Shabbos. He's allowed to be moved on Shabbos. Then you can have it's not like a stone. He may be circumcised on Shabbos. So, in other words, um, uh, what the Ram is saying is that he's not considered Mukta. A stone is Mukta. A child who's for sure going to die is also Mukta. And therefore, uh, this child is not like that. He's a regular child. You can do a Bismillah. Um, if the child. So in other words, uh, if you would say that if he's born and his hair is not uh, is, is smitten in the sense that it's not not not, not fully formed, part of can be also and his nails are not 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 uh, complete. He's a baby born to the eighth month that came out early instead of the ninth month. He was only fit to be born in the ninth month. He came out before. Uh, he was uh, finished, so to speak, yeah, before the uh, before the cake was fully baked, 
and it's like a late miscarriage. Therefore, you have like a stone, because a dead body is mukt on Shabbos. If also talked about Shabbos, you may not move on Shabbos. Nonetheless, if the child did survive thirty days, then in that case we say he will live. He's like any other child for all matters. Any child who waited thirty days who survived thirty days in is not considered a stillborn. So now, uh, here's the idea. So this child who's born in this state is assumed early. Who's not who, who we assume is not going to survive is Mukta. Uh, because he's muktza, you cannot do the bris milah. Now you would say you'd say that you can't do the bris milah because there's no mitzvah, and therefore you're not allowed to uh, make a cut in his skin. It's 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 a chilul shabbos. We'll see. That's not the case. If not for the fact that it was muktza, you could do the bris milah in theory, just just for the heck of it, so to speak, or just because you feel you want to, um, or because maybe he'll survive, so you don't you have to you have to wait till later. But we'll see that why that is. Someone who's born the seventh month of the pregnancy. If he's born complete, so again we said that he ha- he is fully formed in his, in his limbs. So he can you can do a bismillah from on Shabbos. Again, like we said earlier, we said the case where the child is born in the eighth month, if he's fully formed, he assumes a seven-month pregnancy and he just came out a little late. In this case, he's fully formed. And the seventh month is a seventh-month pregnancy. He came out on time. Uh, Shabbos, and you can do the Bismillah on Shabbos. Suffolk Ben Shiva. If you're not sure if it's a seventh month pregnancy, Suffolk Ben Shmina, or it's he's really in the eighth month. So then, Moses Shabbos upon him. You can do the Bismillah Shabbos in any any respect. In other words, we'll and we'll see, explain why in a second. So this child, so this child is um, is uh, is born in the in the. Uh, you're not sure if it's the seventh month or the eighth month because you're not sure exactly when the pregnancy began. So if he, so he's he's and he's and he and he's he's more or less uh, complete in his limbs, um, but you're not sure which month he was meant to be born in. So in ben shiva who mishalim who, the bris can be done in any regard because if he's a seventh month baby and he's supposed to be this way so he can do a on Shabbos the bris can be done because it's supposed to be done on Shabbos he's a proper baby born in seventh month and in a seventh month pregnancy and the bris is being done at the right time if he's an eighth month baby in other words he oh so the case is where his his limbs are fully formed but his hair but his hair is not fully formed his nails not fully formed so we're not sure Therefore, maybe he's a seventh-month baby who was born on time, and that's why his limbs are fully formed, but his hair and nails are not for whatever reason. Or maybe he's a ninth-month baby, and the eighth month is too early, and therefore he's, he's going to die. Yeah, so therefore, he can't do bismillah. So we say you can, do, you can do the bismillah regardless, because if he's a seventh-month baby, the bismillah is being done proper. If he's an eighth-month baby, the person doing the bismillah is not cutting a person. It's just... It's just uh, it's just flesh. It's not considered a human being. Because he's a stillborn, if he's an eighth-month-old baby. Now, in the previous halacha, we said you cannot do the bismillah if you assume the child to be a stillborn because there's a prohibition of mukta. Because over there, we assume the child is not going to survive unless you see he lives for 30 days. And over here, where there's a doubt, the Cham did not, did not uh, enforce the prohibition of mukta. Therefore, there's no big prohibition of moving the child or touching the child. Uh, moving the child or any part of the child, the brismila can be done. Uh, there's no rabbinic prohibition. There's no biblical prohibition because a child who's not going to survive does not have the halacha of cutting and making a wound. And therefore, there's no problem cutting the child on Shabbos. Tesvav. If a child, uh, its head emerges from the womb Friday 
between sunset and nightfall, even though the whole birth did not happen until uh, Shabbos actually started, nightfall, in other words, that whenever the child's head emerges, that's when the, that's when the day of birth uh, is considered to happen. So even though he, the child came out mostly on Shabbos, the fact that he emerged initially before, but the Ashmashis causes the doubt of whether he's born on Friday or Shabbos. Any child whose bris milah does not, cannot be done on Shabbos, and the Chedavishon cannot be done on the first day of Yontif either. However, it can be done on the second day of Yontif, because that was only rabbinic. Regarding the two days of Rosh Hashanah, any day cannot push either the first or the second, because the two days of Rosh Hashanah are unique, that they're both considered one long day. It's all the, they, they both have the halacha of one of the first day of Similarly, that's not done at the proper time cannot push away either day of Rosh Hashanah because of the same doubt. That would mean that if a child, let's say Rosh Hashanah is um, uh, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, and a child is born the Thursday night before, between sunset and nightfall. So therefore, it's not sure if he's Wednesday or Thursday. So you can't do the Bishmila on Wednesday, which is Erev Rosh Hashanah, because maybe the baby's born on Thursday, and you're doing it a day early. You can't do it on Thursday, which is the first day of Rosh Hashanah, because maybe the baby's born on Wednesday, and this is the, day, the ninth day, and therefore you're doing it not in the proper time, which does not push away Yom Tif. So Therefore, you have to wait till, uh, till Sunday. So this baby who was born Wednesday evening Bismillah would have to wait till Sunday because the Bismillah not in the proper time does not displace Yosh Hashanah or Shabbos. A sick person, you can after Bismillah becomes healthy. You wait 24-7, 24-hour periods from when he gets better till you do the Bismillah to make sure he's healthy. Then afterwards, you do Bismillah. When the sun, excuse me, when he uh, recovers from, from fever, Creates a and a similar illness which is relevant to Brismila. If his eyes were in pain, once his eyes open and he's healed, you do Brismila immediately. The present an situation similar to this where the illness has nothing to do with the risk of Brismila, you do not delay the Brismila. You design A person who on the eighth day is very yellow. John this basically. You do not do Bismillah until the blood subsides. And his image appears again like healthy children. If he's very red, like he was colored or painted. You do not do Bismillah until his blood is reabsorbed, so to speak, into his body. And his image appears, his color appears like other children. That's considered an illness. Be very careful with these matters. A woman who gave her birth to her first son. She wasn't the male, but the first son was circumcised. So that's her first son. Regardless of whether it's the father's first or not, and the child dies because of Bismillah. She lost because it made him weep. He died. And similarly, Bismillah to her second son, and the child died. Whether it's her, whether it's her first husband or second husband, so, he's, uh, so in other words, whether whether it's the the, the second child who died is the same child, the father is the same father as the first child, or it's a new father. They should not do bismillah for the child in the proper time. The third child, they wait till he gets gets older and is stronger. 
to make sure he survives. You do not do bismil on a child unless there is no illness involved. Because the concept of sakanas nefashis, uh, the idea of endangering someone's life, pushes away the entire Torah, no matter what. To the besides the fact that that's true, you, it pushes away the entire Torah. Even if you can never do a bismillah, it's also possible to do, do the bismillah at a later time. It's impossible to return a life back to the Jewish people once it's lost. Therefore, the consideration uh, for this, uh, we, we lay the bismillah uh, unless we're absolutely certain that the child is completely healthy.